Welcome to the Cornerstone Church podcast and thanks for joining us again for another episode. If you browse our website, you'll find plenty of other resources, including more podcasts and sermons that have been preached in the church. In this episode, we were joined by Liz Davies, who is a former England footballer and a Christian. She was interviewed by Anne Woodcock at our Cornerstone Women's Breakfast. We hope you find the episode encouraging and insightful and enjoy listening. Well, um, we're very grateful to, uh, that you've um, agreed to come. Um, so yeah. I think Thank it was you for Tom having me. set this up, Tom yeah. Sweetman, one of our pastors, who heard you um, at Revive, is that Yeah, correct? that's right. I did my testimony for, for Revive. Yes. Um, and somehow through the grapevine, it, someone found out I played football and mentioned it on the stage without ever telling me they were going to. <laughs> so I was kind of put on the spot and made oh. a joke about it in an embarrassed way, but um, yeah, okay. it was quite fun. Oh, well, we're not, we're not going to put you on the spot. <laughs> should be fair I that. am aware this is about football, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, well, have we got some football fans here, women's football fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, thought, I thought this corner probably. <laughs> Suzanne, surely you're a women's football fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did, right. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't see. <laughs> so, yeah, we're very grateful that you've come. And um, we're just going to spend the next um, sort of, you know, 25 to 30 minutes um, just letting you chat, really. So I'm just here to enable that, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to ask a few questions. Nisi's going to talk. She's brought a few bits and pieces for you to see. And then um, perhaps you'd be happy for a to hang around for a few minutes afterwards if people would like to come and absolutely. ask other questions? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, right. So um, to start off with then, um, please can you uh, briefly outline who you are, um, <laughs> you know, where you are in life at present? Sure. So I'm Liz Davies. I am married. I have a husband. Um, we have a daughter who's nearly one, Erin. Um, She's a, a blessing, absolute blessing. Um, I'm currently, well, I just resigned from work, so I was an investment banker. Um, some of us are nice, <laughs> and um, but I'm going to stay home with with Erin and be be mum. Um, so yeah, I played I played football um, just before getting pregnant um, for fun, um, but I was a professional football before that. So that's um, where I am now. I'm stay at home mum of Erin, um, wife and and a Christian. Right. Okay. So we'll get those are the two things that we're really going to. Um, uh, find out about this morning, uh, the football and then uh, uh, the fact that you're a follower of Jesus. Okay, so could you tell us how you got into football and then what happened? Yeah, so um, I was the fifth granddaughter of my grandfather who played for Man United um, when he was young, um, but he did his knee and back then there wasn't surgery to repair um, ligaments. So he was waiting for a grandson that never came, and I, I became, <laughs> I became the, the grandson playing. I was, so I was playing football with him in the back garden from when I could walk. Um, and so I played with all the boys um, constantly throughout school, and then I played for the county boys team. And then I hit a late age at 11, where you can't play with the boys anymore, which is still, still the case, actually, um, in most places. Um, only now there's more girls teams around. So at the time, there was very limited girls football. Um, but I was lucky enough to be scouted to play Southampton. So I went down to Southampton um, and played in their centre of excellence. And did that from the age of 10 through 15, 
when Southampton's men's team got relegated from the Premier League. So the funding was all linked. So the men's team funded our centre of excellence. So as soon as they got relegated, that was all cut, no team, that's it, gone. So I went and played for Arsenal, um, which was incredible. I went to their academy, so I moved, moved out home at 16, played for the Arsenal Academy, um, played um, for England under-17s at the time. Oh, we've got a little photo of that, you can see that. I tried to print it out and blow it up for you, so it's a bit fuzzy. But this is me, age 15, for my first cap. Um, and I, um, yeah, started playing for the, the first team at Arsenal there. Um, and I've, I've just loved it my entire life. It's been what I've always wanted to do. Um, at 18, I went out to play in America. So if you've seen Bend It Like Beckham, something a bit like that, but less dramatic. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I got a scholarship, so very, very lucky to have no student loans, none of that. They just paid for everything. Um, and in a way, that was when I was paid the most because my scholarship to Columbia University was worth $60,000 a year, which is a you know, phenomenal amount. Um, so very, very lucky and privileged to have an amazing education through football, um, something I never expected. Um, and then through that, you know, I did, did the university degree, played football out there, did a year playing proper football, like professional football out in America. But it was just not something you could live off of. All my, all my you know, colleagues or teammates there had second jobs, third jobs, parents' fundings, things like this. It wasn't a life I could do. Um, as much as I love football, it just wasn't, wasn't worth it. So I, that's when I became an investment banker um, through people I'd met at university, um, through that sort of network of people. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I ended up in football. Bit of a story of how I went. But um, yeah, it's quite interesting how the funding is linked. So it's the same in America is they have a responsibility in the universities to give as much funding to women's sports as men's. Um, and that's why I, they, they'd pay for me to, to go, because they want to pay for the American football players to go. And so because the funding is linked, we were privileged to link off of that. But that was obviously a negative when I was at Southampton. Premier League relegation meant that there was no team. So there's you know, a bit of linkage there between the men's and women's football that I think is fundamental to how things are at the moment. So um, what, what was the high point of your football career? You oh, so when I was playing at Arsenal... Mm -hmm. um, I got to be part of the 2008 team. Um, we won the Premier League, FA Cup, National League, which is um, challenging. So it's, it's, it's the, the previous FA Cup winners versus the Premier League winners or something like that. Um, won that one anyway. Um, and then the, the UEFA Cup. So at all the time, the it was all in the same year. Wow. There was no... There was no Champions League for women at the time, so the UEFA Cup was the women's equivalent. Um, and I was playing with some of the best players in the world at the time. So there was Kelly Smith, Rachel Yankee, Faye White, played with a lot, and it's just incredible. Um, the players I was playing with were, yeah, like they're the players that every kid looked up to when I was you know, 18 years old. So I was that up-and-coming youngster playing with these superstars mm. week in, week out. Um, and I only played for five minutes in the finals, and I only played for like an odd. But I was part of it, and that was that was definitely the highlight. Um, yeah, I'd say. Or, or maybe I think another one 
there's probably two, that one, but then there's something about when I played for England for the first time and hearing the national anthem play. Mm-hmm. I think that, for some reason, the music, mm. just like that was one of those moments where I was just like, wow, this is, this is an experience that not many people get. Mm. And that was, yeah, those two, I think. And you bought um, a few bits yeah. of pieces. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, so I, as I said, in that year, which was an incredible year, we won the, the FA Cup. I can open it. There we go. So this is an FA Cup winner's medal. This is a Premier League winner's medal, which until last week or the week before or something were in my loft, which maybe I should not. <laughs> <laughs> I may keep them out of the loft. <laughs> I think they're worthy of a place with a shelf. I, um, but it, again, it's an interesting one because now with women's football being bigger, they, they get the same prize as the men's in terms of medal. There's not even a ribbon. We didn't get the, the, the word medals around our necks. It was, here's a box with a medal in. They're like the size of a 50 pence piece. The men's would have been massive. Um, but it was still such an experience. Like They put the little stage on the pitch and all of the like streamers coming out, the champagne. I wasn't even old enough for it yet. <laughs> no one knew. <laughs> so that was quite fun. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I can hand them around if people want to have a look. I didn't clean them, probably should have done that. So, <laughs> sorry for all the dust, it's from my loft. <laughs> um, yeah, I bought, a, I bought one of my shirts. Um, I used to be this small. <laughs> I then had a baby. <laughs> that happens. Um, so, yeah, like, I think this is my favourite shirt. Um, I bought this one, so this was actually the year before... 2008, when we won all of the all of the things. So this was when the team was still that that, that those players, the same thing. But I was probably um, I was playing half in the reserves and half in the first team. So this was the year I first started playing for the first team. So this is when I felt like I was I became a footballer because um, I was playing then at, at elite sports. So this was my first first team jersey. It had my name on it. Um, that was yeah. So this is my favourite shirt for that reason. And then the, the picture of me playing. Because sometimes I forget that I've done it. Um, so, yeah, there's my little picture. And so um, you decided to retire. Is, is that just getting older or injury? Um, so or? I played... The, the, the prof- I retired professionally first, mm-hmm. and I just played for fun. Yeah. And that was because, you know, the economics of it, um, you couldn't really live. No. Um, it was unaffordable. Um, and so, yeah, went and, and got a, a proper job and played for fun. But then I stopped. I, I got pregnant with my with my daughter. So mm. I played almost right up till till then. Um, uh, lockdown, I think, actually stopped the play. Oh, I yeah, played a couple of, of times. But, yeah, when I got pregnant, that's when I really stopped um, yeah. purposefully. Yeah. Um, yeah I thought, you know, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And in theory, in my mind, I was going to go back and play. Um, but actually, I, I, yeah, with what energy? I'm 33 now. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back into it, well, I mean, I'm seeing some faces of that still young, but for football terms for women, it, it's not. Um, I think the, the average woman probably stops around 30, 31. Yeah. Um, because by that point, these little youngsters whizzing around and just, yeah. they take when over you and that's fine. When you start to know that yeah. body is a thing that can be a problem. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, like, it's in the amount of times, the amount I've done, I say done to my body, that sounds wrong, but, you know, like my knees, my hips, they're mm. actually, like, Probably that of 50-year-olds now. Like, it's in the amount of football I played. Mm. It was insane. I think between... I mean, I was... With, with the England group, we did weightlifting from the age of 15. 
to like get the muscles, muscle strength. Um, I trained a couple hours every day for so long that that's, I don't think it's necessarily healthy for the body. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, body's a bit worn. <laughs> but it was worth it, I think. So since your retirement, you've had this other massive change in yeah. your life. So could you tell us about that and how it came about? Sure, yeah. So it came about, so I had my daughter and went to a baby group, Boppers, that's run by CCB. So Christchurch Ballam is another church within the commission, um, commission group. Yeah, so that's the network we belong to at this church. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so I went to a baby group there, made some friends, and learned about Jesus um, through the kiddie stories first. I think it took about five or six times of being told I was welcome to come to church, to believe I was welcome to come to church. Mm -hmm. um, and I was welcome. Um, and that's where I really sort of asked some of the questions that I think I kind of had in my mind all the time. Like, is there something bigger? What's bigger? What is there? Um, and what does it all mean? Um, I think taking, I think certainly having a daughter, having a child is, is something so massive and so incredible that you sort of, I mean, I think it doesn't take much then to realize that there must be something bigger than just us. Um, and I had a great, uh, we have a, a great minister and assistant minister who, who really talked me through who Jesus was, what it was. I asked the bigger questions that I had in my heart. Um, and yeah, I came to know the love of Jesus and and it's been an incredible change. I've since found out that some of my friends from school who have been Christians their whole lives have been praying for me since I was a primary school child. So those prayers was answered, were answered, and it's really lovely to see that actually it comes full circle. So now I go to the baby group early and set up, and we pray beforehand, and then I realize again, people were praying for me, even though they didn't know me. They were praying that I came. They were praying that I came to know Jesus. And... Um, I did my testimony at Revive, and after that, lots of people were coming up to me and asking me about my testimony, and I asked them, and one person said to me, oh, my testimony is really boring. I was like, what do you mean really boring? They're like, oh, no, I, like some of my first memories, I was probably around five, I just remember knowing I, be I believed in the, the truth, I believed Jesus to be the truth, and, and I was just like, that's not boring at all, that's exactly what I want for my daughter, and I think that actual moment cemented in me that, no, I, I have faith. I know the truth. The truth has been there this whole time, and I want my daughter to know that from day one. Um, so, yeah, that's... So, so this was from a background where you never really went to church? No, or? I'd never been to church with my family. Uh, I'd say, actually, some of my family are um, quite opinionated <laughs> against Christians. I don't think they understand. I think I've had to have some conversations with them, and they've started to see maybe a bit more about what it really means to follow Jesus. Um, I had been to church with my friend in the States out of respect. I like went to her family's house at Thanksgiving. They were going on a Sunday. I went on a Sunday. That's just, it's more like out of respect for them. Um, but I, my ears weren't open. I wasn't listening. It um, was, um, what did yeah. you think about church? Was it just something you never thought about? or was It's it... something I never thought about hmm. at, at all. Like, as in, I'd never ask the question, do I have a faith? I'd say my family as a whole thought you'd have to be unintelligent to believe in something mm. that doesn't make sense, that's not scientific, it's not, I guess, the common secular attitude of, of the time, right? Um, but actually, I think I'd seen, when I went out to the States at university, I'd seen Christians who were remarkably intelligent. I'd seen Christians who had, a, 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 I'd say, a peace, or a, there was something that I wanted to be like them. Like I, would, I would say that, 
some of my best friends that I've had, actually. The people I'm still in touch with from primary school were the, were the Christian friends mm. that I had. The, the person who I'm still in touch with from university is coming over to my baptism next weekend from Germany. Mm. So, like, as in, I, I think there's something to be said for, for relationships, for how they live their life. They seemed more content. They seemed more everything, I say. I don't know. It's hard to put, put something on it, but, mm-hmm. like, they were what I wanted to be like. Mm-hmm. And if I look at... How I, how I grew up without that, I wouldn't say I wanted to be like my parents in that regard. Okay. I, I just mentioned your baptism mm. next week, so yeah. can you just tell us how you <laughs> arrived at, at that? Um, yeah, so I think that was from Revive, um, having had, had, had done my testimony, and my, my minister came up to me, and he's like, well, now you've done your testimony. He's like, were you ever baptised? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, that's why I kind of sit at the back during communion. I don't feel like I should be up there. I'm not baptised yet. And, and he was, so we had a discussion. And I think that's where I ironed out some of maybe the last bigger questions of like, well, I'm just trying to think. What this, the, mo- the most significant, I'd say, was, was really the, I guess it's, it's quite hard to say, like, I've got family members who have passed who, who weren't Christian, would they be in heaven? And also, there are people I don't want to be there, and I, I know that's a sin in my heart, but like, the hardest part of becoming a Christian was actually forgiveness and repentance. Mm-hmm. And so I had to forgive those people who I don't want in heaven. That's, I don't want to say it like that, that's not the case, but mm. you know, in my heart there's that sin, and forgiving those people is hard. So like, I think that's what it took. So after Revive, my minister coming and saying... You know, you're not baptised. You've done, you've done in front of thousands of people, you've just given your testimony. You, you believe what's stopping you. And it was, it was that repentance, forgiveness, and, um, yeah, coming to say that actually I want everyone to be saved. I think mm-hmm. that was the hardest thing for me. Um, yeah. um, not everybody here might know what baptism is, so can oh. you just explain what it might involve? So I'm going to be dunked. <laughs> My daughter is not going to be dunked. She's also getting baptised at the same time as me. They'll just put some water on her head. Because um, I don't want her to drown. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to be dunked, and, and it's it's just a display of of going down into the water, coming back out. It's it's Jesus died and rose for us. I think that's how I see it. It's it's a dis- it's it's a visual of um, yeah Jesus Jesus having gone to the cross and come back and cleaning us of our sins. And I, I just sort of that's how I feel and see it. Die to our old life and exactly. rise up to the new life that he's and given us. And turn towards God, yeah. yeah. And I think that's... Mm. That's the picture. That's the picture that I see mm. and that's how I feel and I'm really excited for it. Um, and it's, it's been a, a really incredible change in my life. I hope, yeah. it, will, you hope it will be a really great occasion. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, now, one thing about becoming a follower of Jesus that, that people... Um, here who, who've had this change in their life will know is that it really does change your view of everything mm-hmm. um, in your life and one of the things that you've reflected on is uh, football yeah so definitely. so as a Christian you kind of now view football a little differently is that right yeah so Chris, you know Christianity is a religion and Jesus is the, the key part of that but I guess instead of having a Jesus instead of having Christianity instead I worshipped football um, and I don't say that lightly. Football became sort of an idol. Um, but when everything is so linked to football, when you lose a game, when you retire, when you have any kind of injury or anything like that, then what, right? It, you've got this emptiness. Um, my whole identity was in football. All I was was a footballer. Again, the same thing. If your self-worth is linked to something 
that you can win and lose at, you can be successful or not. And I'm very lucky to have been successful, but that was still quite a roller coaster. So looking back and reflecting on that, I could see how being a Christian would have changed that entire experience for me. Um, you still can get the enjoyment out of a win. You're going to be disappointed for a loss. You get the emotions, but without the tie to the extremity of that being everything. Um, and I think what's quite interesting is in England team at the time, the, the sort of mantra was pride, passion, belief. Now you think of pride. Well, again, I'm looking at the blessing I had of my ability for football now. I'm not thinking I was this amazing superstar. I was a person, I was a child of God, just like everybody else in the room. I happen to have been blessed with this talent, how lucky I was to have that, but it's a blessing. It's not from me. My strength came from Christ, and I think that's a big reflection um, that you wouldn't see within the footballing community. Because like I said, if the mantra is pride, passion, belief, the first thing of that is pride, um, which isn't something that you really see within... Christian groups I think for me like that's one thing that's gone is I don't tie my success to who I am anymore um, and that's quite amazing then there's passion which again like too much was in football um, passion I, I guess I had to look up the word passion because there's some parts of it that I'm not confused as to why aren't necessarily good like it required dedication there's nothing bad about dedication that goes into passion but at the same time so does the extreme emotions. And I just think that that's something that within football was unsettling. I did enjoy it. I had a great time. But it was so extreme. It was a roller coaster that I don't think it was healthy, actually. It became an obsession. Um, and I think that's something that I look back and think it wouldn't be the same. And then belief. I mean, again, that's, I think, in the England setups, referring to belief in the team, belief in the structure. But I think now I can look at the world and say there's something so much bigger than that. So now I've, like, when I look back at, some of the harder things like retiring, being injured, being I can see, do you know what? The sun came up that day. I was, I was alive to be retired. Like I had that day of life that got given to me by God and I got to live it. Okay, there wasn't football in that day. I've retired, but there's so many great things in that day. So I think for me, looking back, I could say, um, yeah, I can see it all as a blessing and, a, and an incredible journey that I was taken on. Yeah, by God, but like, I could say that a lot of my self-worth is less linked to that now. I'm, I'm a child of God, first and foremost. My whole identity has changed. Mm. And I think if I'd identified like that as a footballer, I would have taken more joy. I would have spread more joy. I would have been a better person. And I would, yeah, I think I would have seen the bigger picture more. Do you think your teammates would, have, could, would believe that... Um uh, you could have been the sort of the top player um, if so, you were if you were a Christian, and if you told them what you've just told us, do you think they would be quite sceptical that you would be able to hit those heights? So, yes, to, to some of the UK English players in America. So, one of the, the friend from university that's coming over from Germany for my baptism was is a Christian. Mm -hmm. She has been her whole life. She's a follower of Jesus, and she is exactly that. And she's one of the people that I would like to be like. Mm -hmm. I would like to be... I see her... She, she's so much more godly than I am. And um, so it just... It's, it's proven the pudding. She, she was that good. 
She showed me every day, before I even realised I was seeing it, that being a Christian didn't mean that you couldn't do it. I was probably that person, right? I would have been the sceptic. So actually, do I think so? Yes, because it happened to me. Like, I had that example that I wish I was in my friend Marissa. And she was a successful player. She got the same scholarship that I got. She did everything. She was in America, so she didn't do the English side, but she did the American equivalent. And her whole life, she's been a follower of Jesus. So, yes. so she wasn't compromising putting no. uh, Jesus first and those things being the most important. Exactly. But, but that didn't stop her aiming no. high. As no. A, as I mean, caller. there's so many successful Christians. Hmm. Being a Christian does not mean you can't be successful in any walk of life. Hmm. And I think, yeah, my, my friend Marissa, but then there's also, I think, Stephen Edwards, the long jumper. There's lots of different athletes who are Christian. And ultimately, you still have the same it's just it's, it's, a, it's a, a viewpoint it's not like I could still have played to the level I had but not felt drastically like my self-worth was depleted because we lost one game mm. and not felt like I was this incredible person better than anybody else when we won mm. because I've got this consistency that yeah. you know I identify first as a child of God and I think that's the biggest difference so I don't think in any way it would have impacted how successful I, I was, but I think it would have changed how I felt about it. Yep. And I think that's why it changes everything, because it's yep. the way you feel about things that changes, not what like, necessarily happens. Yep. But also, you know, I, I wish I could have been Marissa for other people, and mm. so I hope to do that in the future. Coming here, I, I'd hope that you'll walk away with something um, and you know, come one step closer to, to, to Jesus um, even if you're already a follower. And I, I wish I could have done that for my teammates the same way Marissa did do that for me. Mm. Because I do think seeing those examples changed my mind from when I, I was with my family to, no, I know you don't have to be unintelligent. I know you don't have to be unsuccessful. I know you don't have to have any of those things to be a Christian because I've seen it. Mm. It, it. It disproved that theory and made me reevaluate that. And then when I was at that baby group with, with my church... My ears were already open, but my ears were open because of those people. Yeah. They were closed by my family, open by those great examples, the example that I hope to be to other people now. And then when they were open, with the prayers that went alongside, by God's grace, I found Jesus. So it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story, and you've explained it very clearly. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. I think that's probably enough questions from me. Are you happy if um, people ask yeah, questions? Yeah, please do. Okay, does anybody like to ask Liz a question? Yeah, Grace? Okay, I'll just repeat the question. So it's about being a Christian in investment banking. Yeah, another area that people might think... Sceptical. <laughs> um, terribly compatible with being a Christian. Yeah, yeah. so firstly I'd say that I was on maternity leave already when I became a Christian. However, I guess I have some friends who are in similar situations um, to that. And from their experience, I would say that I think... One of them has said that oftentimes you expect people to be more contentious to your view than they are. So people might be quiet, but that's not because they've got an extreme opposite end view. Um, And people are more inclined to agree to disagree or um, just be comfortable that they have no faith while you do um, than you might think. Um, And so I would say, firstly... 
I mean, the job in itself, making rich people richer sometimes. I mean, there's, yeah, is it, is it a gift to society? Well, no, not necessarily, but it's, it's part of society. And you play a part in your family, your society, in, in your church. Like, are you giving some of that back? Is your family giving some of that back? I think if you look at the Bible, like some of Jesus' stories about, you know, the, the, the different people in society, the, the tax collectors, the various people, it wasn't that he was saying tax collectors have to be bad, right? Like he was saying, right, how are you going to be good? So I think it's, it's maybe looking at it the other way of, I am a Christian, I am an investment banker, I am in corporate. How do I do that in a way that serves God? Um, can I talk to my colleagues? Are, am I here being scared about it because I think they'll have the contentious opposite view? Um, and so that's, I've actually had that, that conversation with a friend who's at a, one of the, the big four consultancy firms, and she said that. So she sort of said there might be things that society thinks differently to Christians on, and, and that's okay, as long as you come f- from a point, she sort of said, often I come from a point, as long as you come from that point of love first, it's hard to, he- it's hard to go against love. Like if you go to somebody and, and you're having a conversation and you say, oh yeah, I was at church on a Sunday, they're never going to be like, why? Or, or if they do, great, I can talk to you. Do you see? So like, I think that's from her experience, not mine. That's how I would see it. I don't know if that helps. Uh, Rudy's question is whether uh, women's football can ever become like women's tennis, pretty, pretty much on the same level as men's. I actually said, Firstly, I really like the way you phrased that question. It's a great question. Because most people would say, will it ever become like men's football? And actually what I think's happened is men's football's gone way off the limits. I think men's football needs to be knocked down a couple of levels and women's football needs to come up to meet that. Because I don't think it's okay that men think they're the be-all and end-all, the way they end up. I mean, it, it shows by if you look at how they live their lives, how they treat the women in their lives, how they treat other people, they're not all, or, or many of them aren't, what you would consider upstanding members of society. Whereas if you look at men's tennis, which it, it, it's much less bad, it's, it's better. Um, I do think it needs to be knocked down a couple of levels, the amount of money, the amount of corruption. I mean, we were just saying how Qatar's got the World Cup, why is that? It's, it's probably, I mean, just look at the, the death toll of the, the builders. I mean, it's just not okay. So I think men's football needs to come down, but women's football, I think, is, it's got a way to come, and I think it will get there. I think the good thing about tennis is they're not competing. It's not like, do you watch men's tennis or women's tennis? They're done in the same event. Mm. You watch both, and they're slightly different sports. I think if you watch men's tennis, yep, it's more power, more speed. There's going to be. They're different body types. <laughs> if you watch women's tennis, there's more dainty t- shots. I mean, this, I'm not a tennis expert by any means, but it's a different game, but it's as enjoyable. And I think that's what equality is. It's not that women's football and men's football are going to be the same game but it's that they're given the same worth. They're given the same... Like, people do enjoy it more because they're releasing off their prejudice, and I think that's where we've got to get to. So I think men's football needs to be knocked down a couple of levels, and it's too big. It's ridiculous. It's no longer even family-friendly. I wouldn't want to take my daughter to a men's game. That's, that's not okay. I think it needs to come down, but I think women's has got a way to go, and I do think it can get there. I've got the hope that it will. I think that... 
more and more people are starting to watch, and, and I think that's an exponential relationship. The more women's football starts to be watched, the more there's the conversations about it, the more people are like, oh, maybe I'll do... Oh, maybe I'll go to one game. They might enjoy it, meet people, go to another game. They might create fantasy football around women's football, like all of those little betting things. I don't really get that, but that's fine. But I think it can come and meet in the middle, but I do think it's not, can women's football get to men's football? It's can we find inequality without prejudice? And I think that does require men's to come down and women's to go up. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, Can we just um, show our appreciation to (laughs) Lisa? Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. And don't forget to check out our other episodes on the Everyday Cornerstone podcast, as well as other resources on our website. Hopefully you can find those and enjoy them.